Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. John chapter 2 is where we're going to be looking today. I want to read just the uh, first 10 verses here, a familiar story. Uh, noted as Jesus' first miracle. And uh, in John chapter 2, you can follow along on the screen as well. But here is the scripture and the story as it's told. It says the next day, or some translations would say the third day. They're the same thing. It's connecting to the next day. But it says that the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus, his disciples, were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivity, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Look at your neighbor today, tell him, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Notice I said, do whatever he tells you, not do whatever I tell you. That was... Not what that was. Do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars. We won't count them, but there are six. They're not in front of us, but they're in Scripture. I want you to catch that today, that there are six stone water jars. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water, When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where the water had come from, though the the servants knew very well where the water came from or where the wine came from, he called the bridegroom over. A host has always serves the best wine first, he said, and then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the cheap stuff. But you have saved the best for now. You have saved the best for now. Look at your neighbor and tell him he's saving the best for now. He's saving the best for now. How many believe he's got the best in store? That the best is still to come. There's still great things in front of us. How many believe this morning that your best days are still ahead of you than your last days? That God still has better days in store for you this morning? That God has good things in store? Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have saved the best for now. Lord, it's for now. And I pray, God, that you would help us to hear the word that is for now. That, God, it would get in our hearts and be glorified in us we pray in Jesus name and if that is your prayer this morning would you just shout amen Amen. and you may be seated you may be seated I'm all right if you get a little rowdy this morning because I think it's one of those words if you don't get rowdy for you're going to miss the moment how many know there's a, there's a moment in time, and, and when I say, I'm like, what do you mean getting rowdy for it? I, I mean one of these things of, God, I want to catch what you have, and I want to apply it right now. Uh, this is not one of those stored in your lunchbox and eat it when you need it. This is a right now, you need this today, that right now in this moment that God wants to pour his blessing on your life right now. There's some sermons, there's some words that we get from God, and they're good words, but you got to store them away because you're going to need them at a later date. There's, this is not just for a later date. This is for right now. Somebody say right now. 
right now. This is right now what God wants to accomplish in your life. And here's what I believe, that you're going to walk out of here blessed, and you're going to walk flowing in a blessing of God like you've never flown in, flowed in before. Some of you are like, my goodness, that sounds like a lot of motivational talk, and that sounds like a lot of good things that we could just say. Here's what I want you to catch today. God wants you to be blessed. God wants to bless your life. He wants to bless your future. He wants to bless everything that we're about. We, we're looking this morning. Here's what I want to share from this title, Where Blessings Flow. I want you to catch today that God wants to bless you. It is his desire to bless you. We're, we're towards the end of this series called Undercurrent, and our desire is this, that we would be the undercurrent, and we, we know and believe that Jesus' followers ought to bring change to the world that we live in. That as Jesus' followers, we ought to be a steady undercurrent in our world ocean that is coming and going. In the ocean of our world that is waves crashing, waves coming, waves going, that the change that is all around us, that we as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, ought to be the undercurrent, which is a steady flow. Here's a working definition of what we've been calling, or of what we've been looking at as the undercurrent beam. It's this, that it is a current of water that flows under the surface of a larger body of water. It is like a small stream or river within the larger body of water itself. It flows in a different direction. It flows different than the larger body of water and is essential to maintaining a balance of heat and nutrients in the water. Three descriptions that we look at and we've, we've been unpacking over the last couple of weeks and this morning looking at another one of these. But these are the three characteristics of what the undercurrent is about. Number one, it's unassuming. As followers of Jesus Christ, we still believe that God takes our little and does much with it. That it seems unassuming. Your obedience in the moment might not seem like that big of a deal. But how many know that when you honor and trust God in the moment... It opens up a greater momentum. It moves to something far greater. It seems unassuming. The undercurrent is under, unassuming because you can't see it. Number two, it's unusual because it moves in a direction different than the other body of water. How many would agree that Jesus' followers ought to look different, act different, and talk different than the world that we're around? We ought to talk in a world that's filled with hopelessness. We ought to talk with hope. In a world that talks of darkness and perversion, we ought to talk of light and healing. There ought to be a difference and an unusual way about us. Number three, the undercurrent current is unselfish because it brings life or it's life-giving. It carries nutrients with it that if we're going to be an undercurrent in our world, we should be unassuming. Small things make a big difference. We should be unusual. We should be different in the way that we act, the way that we respond, and we should be unselfish that we should be life-giving, not life-taking. Not because we don't like to receive, but we have learned this, that the best way to receive is by giving. Have you found that out? That to receive from God is to give. That when we give, it's better to give than to receive. Not because God doesn't want you to receive or he wants you to be poor and not to have nothing. God wants you to have something, but he can only give you the greater things when you get rid of, rid of the things that you've been given. When you pass on to others, when you give, when you become a giver and life-giving in your words, in your attitude, your actions, when we become life-giving, that is how we receive life in return. I want to look this morning, this title, Where Blessings Flow From, Where Blessings Flow, that I want to look today and challenge us in this, in this desire to know God, to know his blessings. How many want God to bless your life? How many want to flow in the blessings of God? I want you to realize this today, that number one is this, that God desires to bless you. He desires to bless you in a steady flow, that your life would flow in the blessings of God. Does it mean that we will not have problems? That is not what blessing means, but it means in every place, in every circumstance, that God's grace is sufficient, that his presence is enough, that he is more than able to accomplish what is needed in our life. Before we can identify where blessing flows from, or, or how to flow in the blessing that God would have for our life, we have to first set this foundational truth. And the foundational truth is this, that every good thing I have in life comes from God. 
Now, you might attribute that to something else. If you're not a Jesus follower, that's totally cool. We're glad you're here. Now, our hope is that you don't remain a non-Jesus follower for long, but that if you're around the flow of this house and of this family, that you would soon see and know the love of God for you and get swept up in the waves of his love or in the current of his love for your life. But if you're here today and you don't believe that Jesus or that God is the source of every good thing in your life, then I would encourage you to consider then what is the basis upon which everything good comes from? You might say, well, I just had the luck of the draw. I won the human lottery and things just happened good in my life. The problem with that is it's a foundation built on sand that will only last until there's a big enough wave to come and crash it. And when you build your life upon this, uh, build your hopes and your plans upon this life that it can only sustain so long. But when our rock is, our, our truth of our good things that come in life are foundational in Jesus Christ, they come from God, there is nothing greater than him that even what looks like we've lost in this world, that when we're in Christ, we always have something to look forward to. That there's a hope that is always greater. The Bible says this in James. Jesus, the brother, uh, or James, the brother of Jesus, he writes these words. And he says this, that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He is steady and constant. He doesn't change. His ways are good. If you've got anything good in your life, it's because of Jesus Christ. It's because of his goodness that has provided it in your life. You might say, well, I've worked to earn it. It's something I've done. And there might be truth to that, but who gave you the skill and the ability to do that? Who gave you what you have to be able to do what you do? I I think it's kind of messed up to just think that we live in the blessings that we have and somehow we just got lucky and we just have opportunities that other people don't have. You're not better than anyone else and they're not better than you. If somebody has more than you, it's not because they're better than you. And if you have less than them or you have more than someone else, it's not because you're better than someone else. It's just you've handled opportunities different or you've handled the opportunities that have been presented to your life. You might not have the same opportunities that I have, but here's the truth, that if we walk in Christ, there's every opportunity and we've got to be people who learn how to seize the moment and seize the opportunity because your blessings flow through the opportunities that you take in life. How you seize the moment, what you do in the moment, and see if you're blessed, your job then is to give someone else an opportunity. If you walk in blessing, it's your job to give someone else an opportunity, your responsibility to give someone else an opportunity. They may not have had the same opportunities you've had. Here's the difference we do, though. This is what our culture and our world wants to do. Our world wants us to give what we have to other people. It's not just transferring what we have to other people. It's giving other people the opportunity so that they can learn to use an opportunity and grow something that they didn't have before, to develop something they didn't have before. Because if you just transfer one thing to another, if that person doesn't know how to handle what you've just given them, You've not helped them. You've set them up for failure. You've caused them to look at their, their, their hope and what they have and what they've been given. But your resources aren't what will bless people. It's when we give opportunities, when we create opportunities for other people. There are opportunities that I've had in my life. Here's the opportunity that I know that I've had in my life, and God has put a heart in me. God has given me a heart of a father. Here's why. Because I grew under a father who really knew how to father like that God would want him to. I have been blessed with a father. You know what that's done for me? I don't have the stories of living without a father, of experience without that. I don't have that. God has blessed me. You know what that's put in my heart? My heart is to then father a generation or to father other people who have not had that. Even in some cases, they've had an earthly father, but they've not had a spiritual father. I have it in my heart that God has put that in me. It's one of the blessings that I have that I want to be an opportunity, create an opportunity to father a generation to help people know the love that comes from God, not to be what they need but to lay an opportunity to present them that they would know the love of God that they would find all that they need in Jesus Christ
Christ? What opportunity has he's given you? Because if you, know, if you don't know what to do with God has given you, then you probably are building too much on what you've done and not recognizing the opportunity that God has brought to you. What are you doing with the resources that God has given you? If you're blessed, it's easy to be in a place of saying, well, I can't give, I don't have anything to give, and those people have a lot more money than I do. I can't afford to do that right now. I can't afford my time. I can't afford those things. The problem when we can't afford to either invest or to give or to create opportunity, it is convincing ourselves or we've convinced ourselves that I've done something to do this and this is my doing. And because it's my doing, I get to do whatever I want with it. But whenever I know it's a gift that God has given me, then I can't hold it for myself. I have to create an opportunity for someone else. That we want to be people who don't just receive blessing, but we allow blessing to flow through us. How many want to be blessed by God? to be blessed, that God would bless us, that we would allow blessing to flow through us, that we set this foundational truth that blessing every good gift comes from God. We can assign it to good deeds or to, to, to good luck or, or things that have happened in our lives, but who, what is the source, the foundation upon which we look at everything that is good in my life, that it, the foundation is this, that every good thing comes from God alone. And because it comes from God, it, it is important for me then to create what God has given me to present an opportunity for other people whether in my giving of time, whatever it is, that I will, the, the stingy people are not the people who are blessed. You can have a lot of money, but if you're stingy with all your money, you're not blessed because your money's gonna stop right with you. You're not gonna, you're gonna, you're not gonna accomplish anything with it. It's just gonna be for you with what you see. How many know blessing is when we flow in the blessing that God has, God will allow us to be a part of things we've never even seen to touch things, places we've never even been, to be a part of building things we've never even laid our hands on because God takes what we have and allows it to flow further and to accomplish more, to do more in our life. Where the blessing, where blessings flow, that we want to be people who are in a place of flowing in the blessings and the favor of God. How many want to be blessed? I was in my, uh, uh, as uh, my kids were growing up and every father has done this, I'm sure. I remember moments taking the, uh, the hose in the backyard and chasing my kids with the cold water in the summertime. They enjoyed it, of course, but I would go after them. And then I knew I would leave the hose unattended, knowing that their plan was to gather that unattended hose and to reverse the roles of chaser and sprayer. They were about to come after me. The only problem is they didn't know my plan was to wait for them to try it because I was on the other line putting a kink in that hose. They pick up that hose with their face real big, smiling at me, ready to get me, and they bring it at me. The only problem is the moment they spray it, it's not working. Now, I didn't wait for them to look it and then release. That's not what I did. <laughs> Some of us are here today, and it feels like the blessings aren't flowing. It feels like God's provision and favor is not flowing in my life. You see, it wasn't a problem with the water source. The water didn't run out. The hose didn't break. It looked like all those things could have been the problem. The only thing that stopped the water from flowing was the way I was handling the hose. The way that I was holding that hose, here's what I want you to catch this morning, that the way you handle God's word in your life will determine the flow of God's blessing in your world. 
The way you handle the word of God, the way you handle God's word, how we handle his word will affect how the blessings flow in our world. How we handle his word will affect how the blessings flow in our world. Deuteronomy 11.8, if you're not convinced that God wants to bless you, he says this, therefore, be careful to obey every command I'm giving you today so that you may have strength to go in and take the land that you are about to enter. They're about to take Canaan. And how many know that this was a blessing and a gift that God has given them? What did they do to earn it? Nothing. They were God's children. What did they do to deserve the land? Nothing. But the only means and the way to walk in the provision, the blessing that that God had for them, was to obey the word. The word obey is to handle with care, to guard, to look after, to hold with value. Is the word of God valuable in our life? If the word of God does not have value, then we will not be people flowing in blessing. If the word of God is not held to a place of value in our life, if we don't hold God's word to a place of value, that blessing will not be able to flow freely in our lives. And by blessing, I want you to hear, of course, what blessing is. But Psalm 23 says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. I think faith assembly ought to be a church filled with people who are overflowing with the blessing and the favor of God, who know the goodness of God, the mercies of God, not because everything is just as they want it, but because everything is just as God has designed, that his favor, that no matter what today is, that we have a hope that we look forward to, and our hope is constant and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We ought to be the happiest people on this earth. Shove your neighbor, tell him to smile this morning. Tell him you ought to be a happy person. We ought to be the happiest people, not because of circumstance, not because of what we're going through, but because we know the presence and the blessing of God in our life. He wants you to overflow with blessing. He wants to meet every need that you have. And I know some of us would say, if God wanted to meet every need I have, then why am I at the place of need? Notice this. He didn't say to stop you from being in need. He said he will supply your needs according to his riches and glory. He didn't say he would stop you from being in need because if he stopped you from being in need, you wouldn't need the blessing to flow in your life. If he stopped you from being in need, you wouldn't need him to show up and to direct you and to tell you what to do. We would rather have a God who just does everything where we don't have to ask questions. But how many know he cannot be called our Lord Unless we're at a place saying, God, I need you to tell me what to do in this case. I need you to tell me what to do in this place. I need you to instruct me, to inform me. I need you to tell me what to do. We call blessing being where we don't need God. That's not blessing. Blessing is not where I don't have any problems, I don't have any issues. Because if that was called blessing, then there's no reason I need God. The reason I have is blessing, his presence. I want you to hear what blessing is that he wants to overflow. And this is blessing. It is to have an open and unhindered route from here to heaven. If you look at the word blessing, it means this, an unhindered presence of God. What? God wants you to live in a place where nothing stops his presence from meeting you. Whether you're in the lion's den, whether you're in the fiery furnace, whether you're at the top of the mountain, or whether you're in the valley, whatever it is, he wants you to be in such a blessing that nothing stops his presence from getting to where you are. If I go to the heights, you're there. If I lay down in the depths, you're there. No matter where I go, I cannot escape the presence of God. He is with me. He walks with me. He leads me. Even though I walk beside the places of disappointment in the valleys of the shadows of death, that he is with me. Is there anyone who knows today that the presence of the Lord, that he just shows up and it makes all the difference in our life. His presence is enough. His blessing, but here's what we do. Too often we limit blessing to things that we can calculate, things that we can compare, or things that we can add up. 
we measure, we look too much at what God's blessing is, is to things that, that his blessing too often is what we can count or what we can measure or what we can compare. How do we know that? Because we'll say things like, why isn't God blessing me the way he's blessing them? Why don't I have what they have? Why? Because we've called blessing things that you can count. But here's what true blessing is. Blessing is when we live in the presence of the provision of God that he gives us things that are beyond what we can count, imagine, or even measure because it's more than we could ever imagine. It's more than what we could ever afford in ourselves that his blessing flows in a peace that passes all understanding, in a joy that is unspeakable, in a presence and his love that is unconditional and never stopping him forever. He is a God of more than enough, but we limit the blessing of God to the things that we can count. God does not bless you with things. Blessing is not the thing. Blessing is the source from which that thing comes from. Whatever you've called blessing, and I hope you know that they're blessings. I'm blessed with a family. I'm blessed with this opportunity. I mean, uh, to be honest with you, I get to share the word of God on a weekly basis, connect with people, and talk about seeing the purpose of God move forward, and they pay me to do this? I know somebody in the room is like, well, we could not. I mean, (laughs) sure. I'm a blessed person. I, mean, I am blessed. But I'm not, I don't have the same blessing that you have. My blessing doesn't look like your blessing, but God has created an opportunity for me, and this opportunity is to do what God has called the family that God has given me. I'm a blessed family, man. I'm blessed. I'm a, I've got a blessed family. I've, I've, got a, I've got a great wife and, and three wonderful kids, and, and God has blessed me. You know what? God, God has blessed me. My, my home is blessed. My family is blessed. My, my resources are blessed. You say, well, Jason, you're just up there bragging right now. No, I'm just telling you, God has been so, so good to me, not because I put myself in any place. And someone said one time the, 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 that if you ever find a, a turtle on top of a fence post, it's not because he got there on his own. Somebody placed him there. Somebody put him there. I want you to know that God's hand and his goodness and his favor that he has placed you in a place of opportunity. The Lord is good to you. Come on, if you know that God's been good to you, then bless him, thank him, his favor, his mercy. He is good. Doesn't mean I don't have disappointment. Doesn't mean I don't have struggle. I'm not even gonna tell you what all of those are. You know why? Because this is in comparison. This isn't. This doesn't mean that I've not gone through loss. I've not gone through disappointment. I don't have struggles. I don't have things to, to, to work through or whatever that might be. But it says this, that the presence of God is more than enough in our life that, to know what blessing is. I want you to know that God's blessing will never outrun your, outlast your ability or will always outlast your ability to contain it. Second Kings chapter 4, Elisha comes into the city, and as he comes in, Elisha, of course, meets a widow, and the widow says to him, my husband, the source of my provision, has now died. My husband is dead. You know how much he loved God. He served as a prophet in the school of the prophets. She said, my husband is dead, and now I have no more resource, and the collectors are coming to take what I have. The problem is I don't have anything, so they're coming to take my sons. Elisha says, what do you want me to do for you? And then he replies to her. He says, what do you have in the house? What do you have? She says, all that I've got left is a little bit of oil left inside of one of the jars that I still have. He says to her, find all the empty jars that you can find. Now, when you're in a famine, it's not, it's not hard to find empty jars. Empty jars are all over the place. Here's what I want to tell you. If you look hard enough and if you trust God, there's opportunity all around you. There's opportunity all around you. There's just sometimes in our culture, in our world, we don't want the opportunities the way they like because we want it to look a different way. We want the opportunity to be a different 
different way, a different style. I want you to know if the opportunity starts at McDonald's, you start the opportunity at McDonald's. You start whatever it might be in this place of honoring God. And I want you to know that there is nothing that you can look at and say that we turn down, put away, because you're missing the opportunities that God is putting inside of your life and in your moment that you can take this opportunity now. Whatever God would give, there's opportunity that's around to be a, a blessed by God, to trust God. You know how much money it takes to tithe? Just a little bit. To honor God with your 10% works if you only have 10 bucks. I know that sounds like, wait a minute, if I only got $10, I'm going to give God a dollar? That means I only have nine left. I just want you to know the opportunity is right there to start somewhere. The opportunity is right there to start somewhere, to trust God, to say, God, what I have, I'm going to trust you with. I'm going to give to you. He says, gather all the empty jars that you can find. She gets the empty jars that she can have, brings them in, and he says, shut the door and begin to fill those jars up with oil. How many know this sounds pretty foolish? I've only got a little bit of jar or a little bit of oil left, but you want me to put my little bit of oil in these jars that are empty. But when she began to do what the prophet said, she filled up all of the oil, all the jars, the empty jars, and then she says to her sons, give me another empty jar the son said we're out of empty jars we have no more guess what that's only when the oil stopped flowing the oil only stopped flowing the moment there were no more empty jars my point to you is this that God's favor and God's blessing will always outlast your ability to contain it and desire it God will always match your desire he'll always match your passion he'll always match your want any place you create an empty spot for God to fill he'll always show up and the only time he won't is when you're too full and have no more room for him Whenever you come to a place and say, there's no more, I don't want any more blessing, I don't want any more to flow, that God will outlast in your life. How many want to live a life of blessing that God would have us to live? I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. I, listen, when I say I want to be blessed, I'm not talking about what I, where I want to live, what I want to drive, what I want to eat, what I want to have. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the blessing that, God, I want you to flow and allow healing to come in my life and through my life. That, it, that who you are in me might impact and affect the world that's around me. And he knows how to take care of your needs while you're at it. I mean, just ask Solomon. He said to Solomon, Solomon, what do you want me to do? He said, give me wisdom to lead this great people. Oh, because you asked for wisdom to do what I have called you to do, I'll not only give you the wisdom you need, but I'll give you all the wealth and all the stuff you didn't ask for. I'll give you even more. Why? Because wisdom can produce even more. When you say to God, God, I just want to handle the opportunity you've given me. I just want to honor you in the opportunity that you've given me. When you make God's opportunity in your life, the purpose for which you live, he'll take care of all the other needs. That's what's called a blessing. But I've met too many people who don't know how to receive a blessing because it's hard for them to have a blessing because they have an expectation. You know how hard it is to bless someone who expects it? I mean, think about that gift. I, I want to give you a gift and bless you. Well, I was expecting it. I was waiting for you to give this to me. I mean, what kind of attitude is it to be able to receive a blessing when the attitude or the expectation is, well, about time. But whenever it becomes a blessing, oh, God. This is more than I could even ask for. This is more than, than, than I could even deserve. I want to be at a place of living in the blessing. I want the blessing to flow in my life. Listen to this this morning. The best for now. Notice the master of the ceremony says to the servants, he, or says to the bridegroom, you have saved the best wine for now. You have saved the best for now. I want you to catch this today. The best for now. I want to speak this over your life. I, I'm, uh, today, I, I pray I'm not just preaching. I pray I'm prophesying. 
I pray I'm speaking a prophetic word over your life, over this this church, this house, your future, your family, that God would set things in order. I pray today you'll posture yourself and your heart to receive the word of the Lord because how many know the word of the Lord will not return void? It is powerful to accomplish the work to which he's called it. So I would encourage you today, if you're sitting there just saying, let's get this over with, man, don't miss because it's a right now word in a moment. If you allow this word to get in your heart, that God can change the, the, the direction, to change the outcome of whatever it might be in your life and in your circumstance. The right now, the best for right now, or the best for now, happened somewhere between Mary saying, do what he tells you to do, and it being reported that the servants did what they were instructed. Somewhere between do what he tells you to do, and they did what he instructed, somewhere in between there happened the best for now. The best for now. Somewhere in between, do what he tells you to do. I want to encourage us today that just like that hose that might have a kink, that it's not able to go from the next point to the next, that it's not able to go to the next phase, to the next thing that God has for you, that I want to look at four things this morning as quickly as possible. I want you to catch these today and evaluate in your life. Where is it that you're saying to God, God, I need to handle your word. I need to handle your word so that that I can allow your blessing to flow, that how you handle God's word is how it will affect the flow of God's blessing in our world. And here's these things I want you to hear today. Here's number one. I want to look at these four next points so that they can get from one point to the next. If there's a kink in the line, it can't get to the next point. It's stuck at that place. And I want to give you these four things this morning just for you to consider. Number one, I love how it starts. It's real simple, but it starts this way. John chapter 2, verse 1, the next day. The next day. The next day. You see, I'm interested by that, and I looked at it as well, and some translations say the third day. Well, who's counting? Obviously, if he's counting, there's something significant. So I went back, and I looked at this. This is pretty interesting because some of us, we get to a place, and we don't make it to the next day. We stop before we get to the next day. I have said this, that in my 18, almost 19 years of history here at Faith Assembly, Jody and I have 19 years of history here at this church, going on 19 years of history here. And in our 19 years of history, I've said to God, God, if all the people who started with us in the ni- just the 19 years I've been around this church, not the 38 years the church has been in existence, just the 19 that I've been around, if all the people who started with us in the last 19 years kept going with us, we wouldn't have enough room to put all the people. Because it's one thing to have a lot of people start. It's another thing for people to show up the next day. It's another thing to keep coming. You see, Jesus is saying this, or not Jesus saying this, but it's being reported the next day or the third day. Well, how to get to the third day? Because the first day was the day that Jesus walks by John, John the Baptist, his cousin. Jesus walks by John the Baptist, and as he's walking by John, John is standing there with his disciples. Now, mind you, Jesus didn't have any disciples, only John at this time. John has followers. John is considered a teacher to them, and he has disciples, our learners, who are following after John. Jesus walks by John, and John says, hey, look at him. He is the Lamb of God. There is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Guess what happened? The moment John says this to Jesus, John all of a sudden loses people in his discipleship. 
The Bible says that two of his disciples left John and started following Jesus. Sometimes you think to do the blessings of God means it always just keeps a, a continuing and attributing to what you have. Sometimes the multiplication of what God is doing is not just added to your account or not just added to your current moment, but it's added to your account in the future that you're setting things forward. And here's John the Baptist. John says, it's going to cost me disciples to point out Jesus, but I'd rather point out Jesus because me gaining disciples isn't the purpose to which I live for. It's to point to Jesus Christ. And when you point to Jesus Christ, you might get attention off of you, and it might go to Jesus. But how many know that's where blessing flows, that when it's always pointing to who Jesus is, that John says, look, there is the Son of God. Two of his disciples leave him and start following Jesus. Jesus turns around as they're walking. Jesus says, can I help you guys? What are you doing? And they said, we want to we see where you live. We want to see what goes on in your life. Jesus said, come and see. So all of a sudden, these two men begin to spend the afternoon with Jesus. Day one, Jesus says to them on this afternoon, he's talking to them. Somewhere along the line, Andrew must have been like, hey, this is good stuff. Hold on. Can you hold that thought? I've got to go. I'll be right back. Andrew, the Bible says that Andrew was one of those who left John to follow Jesus. Andrew then goes after his brother. His brother is a fisherman who also fished in the same place. He says to his brother, Simon Peter, he says, hey, Simon, you've got to come. We have found the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. We met him. Andrew goes and gets Peter. Now, how many know Peter's kind of a significant person later on in the story of what we hear? And it all happened because day one, Andrew followed. Day two, then it's sets up. They start now. There's Nathaniel who comes along and Jesus says to Nathaniel, he says, you're an honorable man. And Nathaniel says, how do you know? You don't even know me. Jesus said, I saw you when you were sitting under the tree. And he's like, whoa, if you saw me, he said, you are the son of God. You are pretty cool. Jesus says, if you think that's cool, you ought to see what I'm about to do. You ought to see the greater things that I have in store for you. That was day two. Day three, then they walk into this place, into Cana, and they're a part of a wedding. Now, how many know at this point, this could seem like just an ordinary day? They went from, hey, this man knows things that no one else knows. You ought to come see. Andrew goes and gets him, and they're all going about the day, and everything is exciting. But now they show up at a wedding. Do you know what a wedding is? A wedding's pretty exciting when it's your wedding, but when you're just showing up as a guest, you're pretty excited for them, but you don't have the same excitement that that couple has. How many know that a wedding can just be another part of the day? Now, I know some of you are like, no, weddings are special. They absolutely are special, but when it's your neighbor's friend's wedding, come on now, be real. Weddings are just another part of the day. I mean, it's special to that person who's getting married, but let's be real. In the days everyone eats, drinks, gets married, it's just, it's a common part of life. Here's my point. They even walked with Jesus into the ordinary, in the common. Because there's some people who've gone along the way, and the next day was like, ah, I don't feel it anymore. I lost the awe. He told me I was under the tree, and there was something exciting about that moment. Ah, now it's just a wedding. Now we're, we're just guests at a wedding. Did you, you get this? He, he was just a guest now. He's, they're no longer like all about Jesus. It's not Jesus. It's not his wedding. Obviously, Jesus was never married no matter what. Somebody else wants to try and tell you he does not have a child anywhere in the world. He is, okay, talk on that another time. So foolishness, leave it at that. If you think Jesus was married or that he had a child, completely garbage and completely foolish. And so don't even, don't even uh, if you do want to do that, uh, then I would like to sell you some investments that I would like to uh, work out a deal with you on. Jesus is, of course, showing up as a guest. I wonder when it loses the place and you come to church, it's like, yeah, it just feels like another Sunday. Which, by the way, it never is another Sunday. It's never just another day. But when it's like, ah, you know, it just doesn't feel like it used to feel. That's not like it, 
eh, it's not like it used to be. I don't, I don't have the same. Ex-. And we sometimes talk ourselves out of showing up the next day because we're like, ah, ah. I wonder if we put, put a kink in the line of what God wants to do because we didn't show up to the next day ready for what God wants to do. Because somewhere along the line, it's like, it's just, it just doesn't have what it used to have. I don't, you know what, I, I used to hear the word, and the word used to get excited in me, but now I've, I've, just, I've heard it all. Be careful when you've heard it all. Be careful when the preacher says, turn to this passage, and you already know what it says, and you've already convinced yourself you know what it is, and you've lost the ability to allow God to bring any new revelation because you've been there, done that, and you forget to show up to the next day. I love that it's not only the next day, but it's the third day. Because you might feel like giving up on day two. But how many know on day three? That's when the tomb, get, tomb got empty. That's when the, I don't know the work of what it is, but man, I would encourage you, show up the next day. Man, I'm glad you're here this week. You say, Jason, are you worried about people coming to church? That's not it at all. But here's what I know. The more we catch what God wants to do, the more we, we become cohesion, a cohesion of what God wants to accomplish in our life, the quicker and the faster we can do what God has called us to do. I got to tell you, we don't have a lot of time left. The end is near. Now, for you, those, you're like, my goodness, what did he just say? The end is near. What, what am I talking about? Listen, I've had people who don't even follow Jesus say to me, you know what? I was watching TV the other day, and I heard about this, the, uh, uh, North Korea sending missiles. There's a volcano that has taken out an entire island. There are storms that are of great uh, size coming up our coast or coming into uh, to uh, America, and he pointed all these things, and then the earthquake in Mexico. This person who is not a churchgoer, he says, I don't read the Bible, and I don't know much about the Bible, but it sure sounds like something's going on. Yeah, something's going on. It's called the return of Jesus Christ, that we're looking forward to the day of his return, the hope of what we have. Make sure you show up for the next day. Make sure you're there for the next day. Let me give you number two. Number two is this, the next dilemma. Notice they're without oil. Or, no, sorry, not oil. It's wine. Uh, I, uh, you can tell how special wine is to me. I just called it oil. I don't know what it is. Uh, they show up, and, and, of course, they come to a place that they're without wine. Do you know you're always going to fall short? You have the tendency of falling short because you are prone to fall short. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, oh yeah. But here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it because I can't do this work. I need you to seal this work in me. I need you to do it. You're prone to falling short. Here's, you and I are prone to falling short. You know why? Because we'll fall short of finances. We'll fall short of ability. We'll fall short of, of our responsibility. We'll always fall short. We even fall short, most of all, of the glory of God. But thanks be to Jesus Christ, he picks us up and makes up for our shortcomings. How many are thankful that he's a God who redeems us and picks us up at the place of our shortcoming? You're always going to fall short of something because we're limited. There's always going to be a place that our resources come to an end. If we build on this life, our resources, if what we build our life on, it will always at some point come to an end. Whether our life, our hope is built on relationships, even those will come to an end on this earth. If our life is built on finances, there's a potential at some point. 
even those things can come to an end on this earth. We are vulnerable to coming to a place where we have shortcomings. But here's the, here's the biggest issue of our shortcoming. is not only do we have the potential of being bankrupt on this earth, but we also have the potential of being bankrupt for eternity. But Jesus came to take care of that. That whoever believes in Jesus Christ will not perish, but have everlasting life. Because God so loved us that much that he made it possible for you and I to have life in Christ. You're always going to have a next dilemma. It doesn't matter what you're getting through, that there's a deficit that is common in the situation of our life, and there will always be a place of dilemma. But in my shortcoming or in the place where I'm weak, that is the place where God's grace is made is made sufficient, and his, his work is made perfect. His power is made perfect in my life. You're going to have a dilemma. I, want, I wish I could say to you that blessing means you never have a shortcoming. Blessing means this, that you might run out in your own ability, but when you know the presence of God, you have a blessing that will sustain you and keep you and provide for you in a way that you cannot. He's the God who takes what looks like ordinary, but when you trust God in the ordinary, what's poured out is something supernatural. And this is the work that he does, even to the next dilemma. You might be at a next dilemma in your life. I don't know what point you are at the dilemma. Either you got over it or you're about ready to come into one. I don't know, but there's dilemma in your future. Dilemma just means this, that there's a point of, of, of conflict and, and of concern and issue, that there's something that you're going to face in life. But I would encourage you today to trust God. Don't allow that dilemma to cause you to have a setback, but to trust God that in that moment what you're going through, God is able to work in that situation. Let me give you number three. Show up for the next day. Press through even the next dilemma that you might run out of something. You're always going to be prone to run out of something. That's why you got to make sure you invite God to your wedding or Jesus to your wedding. You better make sure you invite Jesus to your life's events and your circumstances, whatever it is, because you always have the ability to fall short. Hey, Mom, it's normal to feel like you're going to have a nervous breakdown because you've been doing everything you can. It feels like, how can I take any more? And I'm working as hard as I can to make everything happen and everything else. You're going to have moments where it feels like more than you can take. Hey, you're going to feel like, I don't know if I can keep going. I don't know if I have this ability. I don't know if I can do it in myself. That is normal parts of life, and we have to know that we're at a place that our hope and our faith, our trust is in God. And if Jesus shows up, his presence is more than enough. i got to tell you, there's some moments. In fact, there's someone in this room. I remember when you were going through what you went through, and I called you on the phone, and we sat on the phone, And it was even a late at night phone call because of what was going on. And as we sat on the phone, I felt the presence of God just show up in the middle of that place. That as we began to talk, as we began to just encourage in the presence of God, did it make the circumstance go away? No, but man, the presence of God gave grace and strength for the moment. And grace and strength in the journey to be able to know the presence of God. To know the presence of God is to have all that you need. Be careful that you're waiting to count your blessings and you're counting things that you can attribute value to or you can look at when your greatest blessing might be the very thing you cannot put a price tag on because it's more than you could ever imagine. Your next dilemma, let me give you a number three, is this, your next decision. That if we're going to allow and allow that, the, the kinks to move from the flow of God's blessing in our life, that we've got to deal with the next decision. Here's what I want you to hear today. These disciples or these servants were given this word by Jesus' mother, do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you to do. It's your choice today to do what he tells you to do. 
I could be like Jesus' mother standing here today saying, this is what the Word of God says. But once I've given you the Word of God, and once we've shared stuff with you, it's now in your court to do something with it. It's now up to you to make the decision of what you'll do with God's Word, how you'll handle the Word that God would have for you. Your decision is the permission for God to move or to be rejected in your life circumstance. That how you handle the Word of God. Here's what I want you to know in making the decision. I want you to know two things this morning, what it's going to take to make a decision to honor God. I want you to hear this already, that if you want God's blessing, you better handle God's word properly. Because if we don't do what he tells us, how in the world can we expect to receive God's blessing? Two things it's going to take when you do what to make the decision. Number one, it's going to take hard work. It's going to take hard work to do what God has called us to do. To do what God tells us to do. Here's why I know that. Because usually what God tells me to do is sometimes different than what my flesh wants to do. And because it's different than what my flesh wants to do, it takes work to make my flesh do what I don't want to do. Now, if you've got that down, you're better at life than maybe the rest of us. Because here's the problem, though. You might have it down in one area of your life just because you have it down in one area of your life. I've met some people, just because they're, di- they're disciplined in their, in their exercise doesn't mean they're disciplined in every other area of their life. You might have selected places that you've disciplined yourself and you can feel good about it because comparatively speaking, you feel better than. Comparatively speaking. But just because you might have discipline in certain areas doesn't mean you have discipline in every area because there's still areas that we have to learn to surrender and to submit to God. But it's going to take work. Notice what Jesus says to his servants, to the servants that are there. He says, take the six stone water jars. And fill them with water. Now, I want you to catch this. Six stone water jars. Fill them with water. Now, I don't know the means to which they were to fill these. But by the way, they're stone water jars. They hold 20 to 30 gallons of water. I want you to get the picture here. This is a lot of work. Now, number one, I don't know if they had to carry those, but can you imagine the weight of carrying stone water jars with six or 20 to 30 gallons of water? I mean, just imagine 10 gallons, the buckets. And now add those up, but now they are in stone water jars or jugs. Stone containers that are already heavy by themselves. Some of you already knowing that what God has called you to do, what God has spoken to your heart, you know you're supposed to forgive. You know you're supposed to allow healing. You know you're supposed to make that decision. But you've already been carrying, and there's such a heavy weight, and you look at it, and it's a lot of work to carry. It's a heavy load, and it's heavy. It's weighty. Your decisions are weighty today. The decisions that you have to make are weighty. You've got big decisions to make. You might think, well, it's no big deal, but I want you to know that if you need to make a decision today to allow forgiveness to come into your heart, I know what you're saying right now. Do you know how heavy that is? Do you know how much stone that is? Do you know how much water that holds? Do you know how much work it is to fill that up and carry it? Problem is we've given more weight to the work and forgot the weight that belongs on the Word. Whenever God's Word doesn't carry more weight in our lives, it's a place we're going to miss out on God doing the supernatural and His blessing to flow in our life. Because we live according to what we can measure, what we can imagine. And we forfeit walking into what we cannot imagine. Walking into even greater things that God would have for our life. To do what he tells you to do. Do what he tells you to do. If it's forgiveness, 
if it's allowing healing to come, if it's talking to someone you haven't talked to for a while, if it's, if it's uh, asking forgiveness, not only to give forgiveness, but of yourself, something that you're walking through, do what he tells you to do because the longer you put it off, you're just complicating the situation. It's a lot of work. Can I tell you number two? Not only to make the decision to do what he tells you to do, it takes a lot of work. Number two, it takes guts. It takes guts. Here's what guts is. If you have guts, it means to trust in something other than yourself. When you have guts, it's to do something that is requiring trust that is beyond your own ability. To put trust in someone else, or it takes guts to step out in that, in that way. Notice what Jesus says to, the, or to these servants. He says, now take water from there and serve it to the MC, to the master of ceremonies. Do you know what he just asked them to do? It says the servants knew where this water came from. Jesus said, I want you to take the water that you got from wherever you got it. And I want you to now serve it to the master of ceremonies. The master of ceremonies has the job title. And the servants probably belong to somebody. There's a very good chance that the master of ceremonies had the ability to fire the servants who are about to serve the water they just got from wherever they got the water from. Do you realize the guts it took to take what was just water and now serve it to the master of the ceremonies because you know that they've just ran out of wine and there's nothing more to drink, and so now you're going to come and bring water. And I don't know if it might have been one of those gestures where the master of ceremonies could have been like, oh, great, you're bringing me water, and he was just expecting water. I don't know what it was, but regardless of that, it took guts for them to come and bring this water. And as they come and bring the water, somewhere along the way of them doing what they were told to do, that water turned into wine. And the moment the water turned into wine, the Bible says that the master of the ceremonies brought over the bridegroom and said, most people serve the best wine first and then bring out the cheap stuff later. But you have saved the best for now. I want you to hear this this morning. You're just one decision away from the best God has for you. You're one decision away, and you might be at the other line, and you know that there's a kink in the line of God's blessing. You're not walking in the blessing, the favor, and the provision of God for your life. I want you to know if there's not unity in the home, there's not blessing. The Bible, listen, if, there's, if, if, you hold, if you hold resentment towards someone, if you're not allowing healing, healing and those things to take place, you are putting a kink in the line of God's blessing over your life. You're putting a kink. In fact, the Bible says this, that if, if a husband and wife are not in good relationship, that the Bible says that the prayers will hit the ceiling and not go any further. It'll have a kink. It won't make it any further because there is a correlation to how we handle God's word that opens the door and allows blessing. If you're not, you're might maybe putting a kink in the line of God's blessing because you've justified your resentment. You've justified your unforgiveness. You've justified the reason you act the way you do. And you might be saying, 
saying, well, God, you need to cause something to flow through the line and cause the kink to get out of it. If God put pressure in the line, it would break the line and it would hurt you in the process. God is saying, I'm not going to allow blessing to flow until you remove the kink because if you don't know how to handle the blessing, it'll be more than you can take because if you want God to just blow open the kink and just make it work and just put enough pressure to go through it, do you realize that when you put enough pressure through something that's sitting still that it can have a backlash, it can affect you, it could come out more than you could handle, it could become a catastrophe in the process. You're wanting God to fix something when God says the way you want me to fix it will only cause more trouble and hindrance in your life. I'll fix it when you begin to handle it properly and take the kink out of it. When you begin to honor my word, that's where the blessing will flow and it'll carry you to places that you cannot carry yourself. You are stopping the blessing of God if you're not handling God's word properly and accordingly in your life. I know this is a direct statement, but we are foolish people to expect God to bless us and to keep doing life our own way. We're foolish people to say, God, open the heavens of blessing over my life, but ignore the way I treat my spouse. God, give me blessings, but ignore my, 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 my aggression, my anger, my issues that I have. God, I want you to bless me, but ignore the issues that I'm walking through. God says when you begin to honor my word in your life, that there will be a flow of blessing because the best for now happens somewhere between do whatever he tells you and following his instructions. I'm going to ask the worship team to come as we close. Let me give you number four. You're just a decision away from God's blessing in your life. Because whatever that decision is going to open up the door to something next. Let me give you number four. Here's the next. The next is this, the next divine encounter. The next divine encounter. Because notice what Jesus says to Mary, his mother. Mary says, hey, Jesus, they don't have any wine. Jesus says, woman? The NLT makes it a little nicer. Dear woman. I think it was just woman. Jesus is making a statement, and here's what he's saying. He's saying, my orders don't come from this earth. I don't operate from this earth. I operate from authority higher. Just because your mother, I love and honor and respect, but I have a calling and a purpose that is greater than this earth. Because here's what he says, what problem is that of ours? And then what's he say? My time has not yet come. Jesus is saying this, he's saying to her, and what he's making known, because every time he refers to his time, it refers to this, that his time coming means this, that it's time for him to die. Because Jesus knew he was going to, to bring hope and redemption to the world. That the next best thing that he was going to do was to die for our sins. How many would agree that the greatest thing Jesus ever did was to die for our sins? I know I would say to you today, listen, all that you need is Jesus, and that is absolutely true. But I know there's someone in the room saying, I know, I want to believe that, I want to believe that Jesus is all I need, but what about my cancer? I know Jesus is all, all that I need, but what about this that I'm going through right now? What about this circumstance? What about this relationship issue? What about this divorce that I'm going through? What about this financial trouble that I've got going on? What about this moment that I'm in right now? I want you to hear this. He saved the best for now. For now, somebody say for now. 
for now. I want you to know today that what he did was only for now because it's only momentary. It's only for now. It's for now. It's not forever. I know this doesn't make your pain go away, but I want you to know what you're going through is only for now, but it's not forever. He has prepared a forever for you, and don't lose sight because if you lose sight on what forever is, if you lose sight on what he has for you, you'll make much out of little and make little out of much. You'll consider little the things that God has prepared for you. You'll start to build your treasure on earth where moth and rust can destroy, where thieves can steal. You'll start building your life right here on the stuff that doesn't matter because you're caught up in having the best for now. God says that's the best for now, but don't live in your past. Don't live in this moment. It's just for now. One of the mottos I have for my life is this, that on my worst day, there's a better day coming. That one's easy. I've got that one down. On my worst day, I'm always like, Lord, today's a great day. Come back. Come, Lord Jesus. Today's a good day for you to come. But I've also got to know that on my best day, there's still a better day coming. Because this is just for now. It's just for now. It's just for now. There's still a better day coming. That this is just for now. Be careful that you put a kink in your blessings because you're living for what is now and forgetting for what is forever. That this is just for now. If you're in a flow of blessing and you're like, I've got blessings all up and down. I got money. I got wealth. I got stuff. It's just for now. It's just for now. It's just for now. It's just a momentary thing. And if you get your life caught up in all of that, you'll lose who you are because you'll just expect all those things to keep being what you want what you need but living our life focused on this that this is just for now I'm living in the flow of blessing and knowing that God has something greater and in store for me and when I live not just for this moment but I live for forever this is just for now take this world but give me Jesus you, you can you can have my home I've got a great home okay you can't have it I still need it but my, my home's good it works but you know what? I don't want to live for my home. Why is it we built so much wealth and stuff that we have and we know this is the biggest thing in America. We are so good at having a lot of stuff but no time to enjoy what we have because we're so busy trying to afford what we got. We don't know how to enjoy just life, just being in family, just being together. We're so stinking busy. So much to do. We're trying to keep it up. Why? Because we consider blessings. Well, you know what label I've got? Man, quit worrying about other people's label that you're wearing and making them a lot of money because you got their name on your backside. So what? So what? You got someone's label, someone's name. So none of that matters. What's it matter? You can have this world, but give me Jesus. I, I want to read this scripture. Listen to what it says in Psalm 119. Lord, you are mine. I promise to obey your words. With all my heart, I want your blessings. I wonder today if you can say to God, God, with all my heart, I want your blessings. With all my heart, I want your blessings. Here's why. Because if you want it with all your heart, how many know if you want it with all your heart, you'll give whatever you've got to get it. When you want it with all your heart, you won't stop because you want it with all your heart. Do you still want the blessing and the favor and the presence of God with all your heart? And you say to God, God, I'm not going to stop on this day. I'm not going to stop because of this dilemma. I'm not going to stop because of what's taking place. I know that you have great things in store and you save the best for now. And even when you bless me, it's just for now because you've got greater things in store for my life. I want to keep flowing in the blessing and the purpose that